0: This is The Defrag, I'm Christopher Lawson. Chances are you're listening to this podcast right now on a mobile phone. Whether it's an iPhone or an Android device, they all have something in common. A battery. And specifically, a lithium-ion battery. Lithium-ion batteries are loved by device makers because of their energy density. That is, the amount of energy you can store based on their relative size. However, they aren't without problems, and some of these problems can be quite significant. But there are teams of people working to improve battery technology to make sure that our next generation of devices can reach their full potential without some of the negatives.
1: Everyone's probably listening here on on a a lithium-ion powered device. Uh, They were first uh, discovered uh, in the 80s, and the the Nobel Prize two years ago was for the lithium-ion battery. Uh, Well, My name's Matthew Hill, I'm a professor at at Monash University in the Chemical and Biological uh, Engineering department and uh, I've worked for many years uh, in the area of porous materials, materials with lots of holes in them and uh, we use those holes to control where molecules go and how they behave. Uh, And essentially uh, the way it works is you have two sides of a a battery, you've got the cathode uh, and the anode and you're moving lithium ions from one side to the other. Uh, and that's either creating, a, you're charging up the battery or you're releasing them and discharging the battery uh, as those lithium ions move. So on the on the cathode side uh, is some kind of a mineral. So it'll be lithium mixed in with metals like nickel or cobalt. Uh, and on the anode side, most commonly is used graphite. So what's in lead pencils, for example. And, the the key discovery in lithium-ion batteries was that the lithium can sort of slot in between the layers of the graphite uh, and be stored uh, on on the anode side. And so lithium-ion batteries are the lithium going back and forth from one side to the other uh, to create a current, which gives us the power.
0: When we talk about small devices like mobile phones or iPads, perhaps even laptops, the conversations often involve Battery life. We want to know how long our batteries can last, and lithium-ion batteries currently offer us the best balance between battery density and the number of cycles the battery can make before it starts to lose capacity.
1: So they operate at a high voltage and they have very high energy density. So that's the amount of electricity you can store, you know, per volume or per weight. So liters per per liter or per kilogram. And lithium-ion batteries are, are really uh, quite fantastic at that, and that's why. We're sitting here watching them being used more and more and more uh, all around the world.
0: What are some of the limitations of those existing battery technologies?
1: Well, one of the challenges, of course, with, with lithium-ion batteries is that uh, half of the cost of the production for lithium-ion batteries is the, the cathode. And that's because it's got metals like nickel and cobalt, cobalt present. They're, they've gone up in price 50% just in the last year. that 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 is just going to continue. Uh, They're not widely available globally. Uh, They're they're in limited countries uh, and they have issues with toxicity, safety uh, and even the ethics of of how they're mined. Uh, And so uh, we've got this truly expensive uh, component there. It gives it a lot of the function. But uh, if we look at the forecast for how many batteries we are going to need in the next 10 years, We don't have a supply of the the minerals uh, to deliver that.
0: As Matthew mentioned, a lot of lithium-ion batteries rely on materials like cobalt, and that's a big problem. Cobalt is a major concern for battery manufacturers. It's not that cobalt in itself is a rare material, but how it's mined can be the big issue. A lot of the world's cobalt originates in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and it's a country where it's not uncommon to see dodgy mining practices, like workers being poorly paid for the work that they're doing, and children being exploited and forced to work in the mines. We'll try and dive into this issue in another episode of the show, but when it comes to the work that Matthew and the team at Monash University are doing, their real focus is on trying to create batteries that outperform lithium iron but without all the negative consequences that come from using materials like cobalt. And one such area that they're seeing major progress in is the creation of lithium sulfur batteries. So how do they work and how are they different from lithium iron?
1: Well, lithium sulfur batteries, uh, we change up uh, what's in the battery. So instead of having that, that mineral of nickel and cobalt as a cathode, now the cathode is sulfur. Uh, and sulfur is a, a cheap and freely available material that's that's even considered waste uh, in many cases, extremely low cost. Uh, And on the anode side, we use lithium uh, to to create uh, our cell. And so lithium sulfur on the face of it is so much cheaper, hugely cheaper uh, when compared to lithium ion batteries. Uh, Not without its challenges though. So when we first started in this area, if we could charge up a battery 10 times, we were celebrating. Um, Now we're at about 2000. Uh, but we've got to keep going. So uh, we need to get this up to tens of thousands of charges, but uh, in a short couple of years, we've, we've got all the way up to 2,000 and still going well.
0: Even, even a couple of thousands is impressive, given that you know a lot of lithium-ion batteries start to deteriorate after around 1,000 cycles.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and anyone who has a phone for a while will know that you have to start charging it up more and more and more, and that's typically because it starts to lose its overall storage capacity. Uh, lithium-sulfur batteries uh, per weight uh, can store a lot more energy uh, than lithium-ion batteries and so for situations where, uh, where that's an important factor, uh, you have to charge it up even less often so that 2000 charges goes even further.
0: Matthew's team has made a lot of progress in the creation of lithium-sulfur batteries and they've just announced a new advancement in the technology and it has the capability to extend the life of the cells.
1: Well, one of the things that stops these batteries lasting for a long time is that some chemicals form in the, inside the battery that we don't really want to have form, uh, and they're called polysulfides. And if those polysulfides, too many of them, get over to your lithium metal anode, uh, they make the anode start to grow what's called a, a dendrite, which is kind of like a, if you think of it in a cave, like a little stalactite, a little wiry, furry growth uh and each time you charge it up that that grows more and more and pretty soon uh, those dendrites form a short circuit and then your battery stops working uh, possibly in a spectacular fashion and so what we did was to create a a little filter that sits right in the middle of the battery uh, and it stops polysulfides getting across to the other side But uh, what we were also really excited about was it promotes lithium going through, so the lithium goes even faster. So we knew when we could stop the polysulfides that we could get more cycles. But what got us really excited was that at the same time we could do it faster, so we can charge the battery more quickly and similarly we can release the energy more quickly. So that really starts to open up the potential uses of of our, our discovery.
0: So what are the potential use cases? And how could this technology improve our increasingly electrified lives? That's coming up after this short break. Thanks for listening to The Defrag. Our goal with the show is to build a self-sustaining news brand that dives into and explores the intersection of technology, business, politics, and science. For The Defrag to be a true success, we really need your support. We don't want to be reliant on just having to find advertisers, but we do want the core of our content to remain free, which is why at our website, thedefrag.com, you can support the show by becoming a member of our free newsletter, or you can become a paid supporter. There are membership plans ranging from just $9 a month up to $50 a month, depending on how you want to support the show. And for your support, you'll get a range of different perks, including an ad-free version of the podcast, access to exclusive VIP events and live streams, and we'll send everyone that signs up a sticker pack. You can find out more at our website, thedefrag.com. Professor Matthew Hill and his team at Monash University have been making advancements in the development of lithium sulfur batteries. So what possibilities could these batteries unlock if they were to make it into production?
1: Yeah, I think one of the best use cases here would be for uh, storage of renewable energy. So uh, I'll be putting my hand up first to have one of these on the side of my house uh, to to store the power from our solar panels. That's definitely an early use case. Larger uh, electric vehicles as well, very good uh, use of lithium-sulfur batteries. And then long term, uh, anywhere as we go ahead that, that we want to store energy and do it at as low a possible cost, these kinds of batteries are going to start to come into their own. Those high-powered electronics, uh, lithium-ion batteries are, are wonderful for that, uh, and we wouldn't propose that we'd be putting these in your phone anytime soon, uh, we, we should be continuing with lithium-ion batteries. but. With the electrification revolution happening, there are so many more uh, uses required, and we've got to get things cheaper and cheaper and cheaper so that we can have batteries uh, everywhere.
0: Speaking about that sort of electrification uh, of society, how important is the evolution of lithium batteries to our increasingly electric society?
1: Well, it's absolutely critical. So if we if we don't keep to developing these batteries the batteries will be too expensive uh, and non-recyclable. So within within a couple of years' time, we're going to start to see that uh, minerals that are available uh, in the ground are just not available anymore. And uh, some of your listeners might have seen uh, stories in the news over the past few months where uh, car companies are going and directly purchasing nickel and cobalt mines, and that that's not through some altruistic uh, goal, that's because they're they're worried they won't even have the minerals to be able to make their electric vehicles. And so these kinds of technologies that take us away from needing to be reliant on those minerals and link us back to things that are solely available in Australia, uh, then that positions us really well to have a more sustainable uh, battery. But without batteries, Uh, renewable energy won't ever be able to supply our grid because we need constant supply and batteries are uh, the best way of doing that.
0: Also in the news today, Ukraine has raised more than 10 million US dollars in cryptocurrency to help with their fight against Russia. Ukraine posted their cryptocurrency addresses on social media, and have seen significant support from the crypto community. There are also a number of other cryptocurrency projects aiming to raise funds to donate to those suffering from the war. As with all crypto projects, if you want to support the efforts, that's fantastic, but please double check the legitimacy of wallet addresses before you send any money. BP is offloading its stake in Russian oil company Rosneft. BP owns 19.75% of the state-run enterprise and will resign its two board seats immediately. BP chair Helge Lund said in a statement that BP has operated in Russia for 30 years, however military action represents a fundamental change. And SpaceX CEO Elon Musk says that Starlink is now operating in Ukraine. The Ukrainian government official had put out a plea to Musk to enable Starlink in the country to improve access to internet for those fighting the war, and Musk responded saying Starlink was now active and that more terminals were en route. the defrag is a production of lawson media the show today was produced and hosted by me christopher lawson if you love what we're doing with the podcast then i encourage you to share it with all of your friends and if you want to get updates on the show then sign up for our free newsletter you can sign up over on our website the defrag.com that's all we have today i'll be back with more tomorrow